Welcome to episode one of the Bayside Chapel sermon-based podcast series. Today, we discuss how Daniel is a great example for how we should be living our lives, even if we feel that we are in exile. Joining our discussion today is Pastor Ken Carlson, and our special guest is Alita Vogel. Hello, and welcome to the Bayside Chapel sermon-based podcast. Uh, this podcast uh, is, this is our first real recording of this. My name is Marcus Duckworth. I am the host and moderator. Uh, I am the technical director here at Bayside. Uh, with us today, uh, Pastor Ken. Uh, he's the one who preached this sermon, and so that's part of the basis, is that every week uh, the, the person who is with us will be whoever spoke on Sunday. And then we have a guest with us. This is Alita Vocal. Uh, hi, this is Alita. Uh, and Alita is here as kind of the voice of, of the congregation. She's, she's prepared to, to talk, and if there's questions that you guys have, uh, she would be the one reading that. And every week we will have a, a different voice of the congregation joining us, uh, asking questions, giving thoughtful insights, uh, and just really trying to bring this conversation uh, home to everybody uh, that's listening or watching. So a couple things as we begin, uh, we're going to, to talk about um, the sermon and the, the whole point of this podcast is that there are small groups here at Bayside who meet every week and the, 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 the discussion points that they have, what they're studying, is based on the sermon. And so um, our hope is that with this podcast, uh, we, can, we can kind of broaden uh, the discussion, open it up, uh, because sermons are a great way to get information out to a large group in an easier fashion. But a podcast will hopefully focus the conversation, get into some deeper topics, uh, and, and allow for, again, conversation to happen. Um, so this, this podcast is meant to bolster uh, the discussion and expand the topics of each sermon. Uh, so here's the plan for today. We're going to discuss the main points of the sermon, uh, dig a little deeper into the topics that are covered, and then uh, let you talk about anything else that didn't make it into the sermon. Uh, so we are in the book of Daniel. Daniel uh, happens... Uh, it's an Old Testament book. Let's let's kind of do a recap. Pastor Ken, you brought in uh, a, kind of a chart on Sunday. If you missed the sermon, uh, there'll be a link to the uh, copy of the live stream from YouTube in the in the notes for the podcast. Uh, so at 2000 BC, uh, roughly, God calls Abraham, uh, and 1750 BC, Joseph and Israel uh, settle in Egypt. Uh, 300 years later, sorry. Am I doing my math right? You're doing your math correct. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, that, that's something my wife always checks. Are you doing the right math? And we're counting backwards in B.C. That's always yes. a harder yeah. math. Yes. Um, in 1450, Moses leads them out of Israel, uh, these Israel out of Egypt. Now, right there, there might be a question. So okay. let, me, let me just anticipate that and respond to that. Um, obviously, these are approximate dates. Um, and the other thing is, if you look at that 300-year gap, the first, sometimes a question that will come to mind is, wait, I thought they were 
in Egypt for 400 years or 430 years. Right. Um, you know, that's what Paul mentions. Right. right. That, that 430 years of that uh, that time in Israel. Um, and oftentimes uh, we think that Joseph got there. Then it was um, when Israel and everybody came and settled in Egypt. It was 400 years from there. But a lot of times they figure out that 430 year period uh, from um, actually when um, Isaac started uh, or uh, when Ishmael started uh, persecuting uh, okay. Isaac. Okay. Um, so they they call that that time that that period of when that, that those 430 years started. Okay. So that's oftentimes how you get that 430 years. So he's asking for some grace when you're <laughs> when you're pointing those questions, and not to mention that we're you know 3,000 years later and we've gone through several different calendars. Also true. Yeah. So we don't you know. <laughs> Uh, all right, and so then uh, roughly 1100 BC, the period of the kings uh, in Israel, uh, 740, uh, the northern, uh, the Assyrians invade Israel and take the kingdom of the northern uh, tribes. Yep. And then in 605 BC, the Babylonians invade Judah, the southern tribes, uh, and Jerusalem, and that's kind of where we find Daniel. So you asked two big questions, Pastor Ken. Uh, are 21st century American Christians living in exile? And how should we, as the people of God, uh, live while in exile? Um, so the second question, kind of answering how you feel about the first one. Yep. Uh, so so how, how did, what are your thoughts behind those two questions? What prompted those things? Well, there are, um, I think if you ask that first question, um, you know, are 21st century American Christians living in exile to a group of pastors or theologians, you're going to get a wide variety of responses um, simply because I think oftentimes they'll compare, we'll use the term exile and think of specifically people like Daniel, um, you know, the Babylonian exile um, and things like that. So compared to that kind of exile, that's not the same. Right. Um, but obviously when Peter, um, in the new Testament refers to Christians as, uh, strangers in exile, soldiers or sojourners in exiles, uh, foreigners in exiles, you know, the, the, con the idea there is, um, just simply by your faith in Christ, um, you become an exile because you're not a citizen of your country of birth anymore. You're now a citizen of God's kingdom in heaven. Um, so th that was kind of the thought behind uh, those those questions that first one in particular just trying to get people to think whether or not they even saw themselves as being in exile right because um, we can be very comfortable at where we're at right. in this you know if things are going well for us if yeah. we're prospering uh, which the people did prosper there yeah. at times but yeah we can get very complacent in in, in where we are in America right right mm -hmm. and that is that is true and I think a lot of times, you know, when we look at the moral climate of our country in the previous decades, um, people probably feel a lot more in exile now, in you know, based on their experience. Um, so the the tension there is that it's possible that when we didn't feel like we were in exile, um, we may have been struggling a little bit with idolatry because we should always feel like we're in exile because that's how much we have to 
be separate from the ways of the world. Um, so that that is a bit of a, um, a concept that more people are understanding now as um, the country and Christian faith have done a lot more of that yeah. in recent decades. Um, we're starting to be reminded uh, much more easily that, oh yeah, we are exiles. Um, and I think, yeah, I think, uh, especially I think the older generation um, will understand that when they've lived um, most of their adult years through all of those changes and, and cultural shifts. Well, just to comment on what you were talking about, I feel that the the, the there's black and white and usually gray in between. I feel like that gray area is definitely becoming more divided. You could definitely see specific, you know, contrast between both cultures and our right. and what we live in now. It's just it's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah even the political climate. Yep. Yeah. Everything from education to family to political. Yep. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. So one of the passages that um, happens alongside of, and it was written bef uh, at the time of the exile, was the prophet of Jeremiah. He was uh, pre-exile. He was with the kings. He was, uh, you know, proclaiming, you know, God's will to the people. And towards the end of the book of Jeremiah, uh, he has some instructions from God as to, to how God wanted them to live when they were in Babylon. Uh, this is uh, Jeremiah chapter 29. Uh, he says, To build homes, plan to stay, plant gardens, and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children, then find spouses for them so that you may have grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. So that that is great insight for you know as we're here trying to live for for God in in this country in these changes for a couple of different reasons. Um, go ahead and explain how how that's how we're supposed to live based off of those kind of instructions. Yeah, it's a, a good passage. You know, that's the obviously the larger context of that oft-quoted verse, verse uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. You know, for the Lord says, "For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you." Um, in that and the context in that verse is that they are in exile when the Lord says that. Um, but the whole the whole concept that Jeremiah is saying there, uh, what God's desire for them is essentially. I mean, if you were to summarize that, it's hey be a blessing where, where I plant you mm -hmm. um, because ultimately um, they have um, a God who's not, you know, not bound by their situation, not bound by um, their exile and who is promising great things for their future. Um, but he wants them to, to be a blessing to their, the nations. Yeah. Um, you know, Israel was always supposed to do that regardless of their location. Um, they, were, they were supposed to do that um, not out of the, their location, but out of their relationship uh, with God, their covenant with God. Uh, so yeah, the whole concept there to be a blessing, and I've, and you know, it's what it says the peace and prosperity. Um, and you know, the peace is the the shalom. Mm -hmm. um, so it's more, it's a lot, it's much uh, a much broader concept than we think of when we think of peace. Um, 
it's yeah so i think what you see jeremiah commanding the exiles in babylon to do um is exactly the way daniel approaches um nebuchadnezzar and and his whole situation um is he realizes all right god has me here um but i'm going to be a blessing while i'm here mm -hmm. instead of uh, a burden yeah instead yeah. of you know fighting and making lots of noise and uh, you know throwing my hands up and saying this isn't fair to um, be peaceful but in a a strength right right yeah one of my things i wrote down was um that it's not wrong for believers to adjust accommodate and adapt to this world but to stay within biblical context yes we are not to conform and compromise to the world. Yep. Yeah, and that's, uh, and I think that's what you see uh, Daniel doing in that mm -hmm. first chapter, is he's adapting, he's adjusting. Um, he, there are lots of things he lets slide that he doesn't make noise about. He doesn't, you know, make noise about the fact that he was taken into exile. He doesn't make noise um, about the fact that he had to learn the Babylonian language um, and likely um, Aramaic um, and whatever whatever other languages you, they would have had to learn. He doesn't make noise about the fact um, even that they change his name. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, they're, they're names that uh, testified to God mm -hmm. and now testifies to the Babylonian gods. He even lets that slide. And obviously the one he doesn't let slide is when they want to change their diet and the reason why is because that was that was very clear mm -hmm. for those in the old covenant this is what god's desire was and so that they had the scripture and they knew exactly what god's desire was in that regard so that was the clear boundaries in scripture and he wasn't gonna mm -hmm. he wasn't gonna go outside of that so yeah it's you know the, it's taking a stand on the things the bible makes very clear mm -hmm. um and that's what you see daniel doing but you see him not he he doesn't you know make a mountain out of uh the secondary molehill issues right um, he stays true to his foundation yeah the god's word yeah right and he went directly to the the attendant yeah he didn't go you know right over his head he he followed the process yep. he you know he was polite in his you know in his uh the way he wanted to abstain from things and you know like you said, he, he didn't cause a riot with all the other people. Mm -hmm. He was... He didn't stage a protest. wasn't stirring up trouble. <laughs> he was... All right. So there, there's a... You had mentioned um, Peter uh, just a moment ago about talking uh, about Babylon and sojourners. And, and yeah, that's uh, a passage from First Peter chapter 2. Uh, 11 and 12 beloved I encourage you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers they may see your God uh, your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation uh, and then the other point that he makes is in chapter 5 your sister church here in Babylon sends you greetings uh, and obviously, it's not literally Babylon. It's you know the church is in is in the world where we're just sojourners here. Uh, what is it? I'm just passing through. Yep. Uh, heaven is my home. So yep. that's uh, some some passages that again we don't really dive into because you know this country has a lot of history, a lot of pride 
the bubbles up about we fought for this, we took this, and you know, mm. and all the things we had to go through to get these freedoms. But again, it's because that's what God wanted for our country. And, you know, like with any other nation, that God has other plans at some point that every nation falls yep. in, in history. Um, and so there's going to be good seasons and bad seasons. Yep. Um, so, yeah, and the reality is, um, yeah, so you, you, had, you had alluded to the Babylon statement in First Peter, you know, throughout uh, Scripture, especially the New Testament, um, Babylon over the years gets just used as a term for the world, for, e for evil. Yeah. Um, and you see that a lot also in Revelation, um, which in many ways builds off of Daniel. Um, but, uh, yeah. So in the sermon you talked about Daniel being an example, um, and it, it was, it, you, you gave us some details about uh, Daniel that, that really probably um, makes us uh, look at him a little bit more in awe of how he was able to do that. So how old was Daniel? Would, Calculated just roughly. It estimated he was a teenager, so probably 15, 16. So to be yeah, like, like, to have self control guess. as a teenager yeah. and, and not be obnoxious and loud is possible <laughs> as a teenager. You don't have to. I have to, three myself. <laughs> three. It doesn't have to happen. So, and then what qual the qualifications uh, for him being taken? Do you. Yeah, so I mean, you get that right in the very beginning um, of Daniel. Um, you know, there obviously we know the king Nebuchadnezzar was pretty savvy, um, a ruler, and you know part of part of his his whole process when he would go into a country and invade them was, hey, give me the the best youth. Um, we're going to uh, educate them, train them, and then I'm going to put them to work here. Um, obviously, that enables him to surround himself with the best and brightest. Um, the other thing it does is it also reminds. All of the uh, the Jews, all the Israelites, that uh, they are subject to Babylon. Um, and the other thing it does is, don't forget, there were there's actually um, there's three separate times um, Nebuchadnezzar um, goes and, and and his army go to uh, Judah and and Jerusalem and and take people. There's there's three separate times. The first time is in 605 BC, and that's we read about in Daniel uh, the very first verse. Of Daniel chapter one, but then uh, it happens two other times. Um, yeah, so, 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 he, but every time he did that, that's what he would do. And you, and you see here in, um, in verses, uh, verse four, uh, verse three and four, he commanded Ashpenaz, which was the chief eunuch, the palace master, to bring some of the people of Israel, uh, both of the royal family and of the nobility, uh, youths without blemish of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Yes, yeah, so they had to be, um, had to be in really, you know, top physical specimens, uh, no physical defects. Um, they had to be uh, attractive, um, and they had to be intelligent and quick to learn. Uh, so those were some, those were, you know, at least three of the requirements uh, to, to get um, through the, to get into this, you know, three-year uh, training program that the king had. For his own agenda. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, when you were reading that on Sunday, I couldn't help but, you know, think about how um, the Nazi party did a lot of the same. Mm. You know, yeah. They went for the youth. Yeah. 
because you know they're they're trainable and their minds are moldable and that's where your strength is that's where your upcoming army is mm -hmm. there's you know if you if you train the youth then to think what to think a certain thing is okay then for generations you right. you have them um, and so with the, the 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 physical requirements and everything else it was just very very easily connected to our modern history kind of ideas of how to get rid of a group of people yep. that you didn't want. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a good, good parallel. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I don't think Nebuchadnezzar viewed the Jews in the same light that, that Hitler did in terms of wanting to exterminate them. He just wanted to use them more for his own purposes. His agenda. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, so we had five essentials. Uh, so your five points, which usually you don't go for five points. You're a three-point guy. Um, but we'll... I go, I'll, I, t oftentimes it ends up being three points, but I usually let the text determine how many mm -hmm. points it is. All right, so. Based on how the passage is Yeah, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of, even though it's short chapter, a lot to, yeah. a lot of meat, a, a lot, lot of, meat, lot right. to unfold. Yeah. So, yeah. So our five essentials for living as exiles. Uh, let's talk about each of those. Uh, be sure to see your sufferings through the lens of God's sovereignty. Uh, you know, we, we just finished a uh, fairly extensive uh, study on the life of Joseph uh, for good. And that, that whole purpose of, of, you know, even some people go back to, uh, to Israel and, and Esau that because, you know, uh, the birthright went to Israel, that, that, that all these things were all still connected uh, going back to Abraham, that all yep. these things flowed uh, for a, a purpose and, and all the, the bad and the good that happened uh, kind of led up to this. Uh, so the importance of us looking at our troubles in life, you know, your flat tire on, on the highway, you know, it kept you from being in the accident, the major accident five miles down the road. Or you know the whatever blessings it is that you're having for for a beautiful day to record, um, you know all those those things that happen. Um, that there's God's sovereignty in everything that we do. It's you know His fingers uh, are in in all of it. Um, the next point to be prepared for the pressures uh, to pollute your purity uh, of your dedication to God. Um, so one of the things I think about that easily happens is legalism in the church um, the, and bad doctrine that comes in. And, and yeah, this is, there's good things, uh, but now we need, uh, we, so like what Paul was dealing with, no, it's grace, it's grace, it's yeah. grace. But then the circumcision party was coming in and said, no, 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 no it's grace plus. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, so there was, there's some, some forces coming in. Um, yeah, and then you have the opposite side of that. So you have the legalism on one side, but then you have the licentiousness on the other. Right. And it's I think churches are always trying to, um, you know, combat. Uh, biblical churches are trying to always combat both of those, and you know, find what's the biblical middle between those two. Right. And and that's a very hard thing to find mm -hmm. uh, because you, you know you have people pulled in all all directions. They have all sorts of histories. They. And it's it's very difficult uh, for churches to stand and say no. This here is biblical truth, right. yep. because 
now mm-hmm. truth is whatever you want truth to be right. in, in our right. day and age yep <laughs> all right uh point three was to be committed to live wisely in the world without conforming to the world uh that applies both to our in-person selves and our online selves yeah. <laughs> um, sometimes we get a little bit more brazen about oh well i can just type what i want here and I'm not actually saying it to the person, or I don't have to see them face to face. There's no threat of me getting punched in the face uh, when I say this, so I, I'm good. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Our, our online selves are, are far easier to be corrupted uh, because of that freedom that we feel to, to say whatever we feel like. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good point. I'm pretty sure that's why we developed some years ago a social media policy for for at least our staff and elders (laughs) but yeah it's you know the reality is that your social media self um is a witness to the social media versions of the world Mm -hmm. Um, so even there you have to use wisdom you want you want to use tact you want to be kind and gentle right um and especially in this day and age i feel that Christians are under a microscope mm-hmm. and every single move is is being watched yep. just kind of like waiting for you to make a mistake or yep. so they can you know just ridicule and yep. whatever so I was just keeping that in the back of your head too and as far as social media it's not having a conversation with one person yeah. yep. hundreds or thousands of people can see what's going on right so right definitely keep that in mind yeah, that's it's true. Our fourth point, uh, to be hopeful that God will honor your faithfulness to Him. And for some of us, that's not something that's promised in this life. Um, it is something that's promised in, in the next. But um, and there's, there's people all over the world, Christians all over, that you know, the, their hope um, for, for to see God-honoring change happen in their lifetime um, isn't isn't here, and and so uh, I, I think it's it's harder for us when we do see um, so like the the Israelites, you know, reading through the Old Testament. Um, there's this king was good; he did this, this, and this, and God showed them favor. And then this king was bad, and so you know they they were quickly like you know destroyed and and defeated. Mm-hmm. And so this back and forth of uh, what feels like karma, uh, it's, it's not. There's, there's grace there that God didn't destroy them and, and gave that remnant yeah, always. Right. But I could see, you know, from that, that law, uh, so much of focus on the law that, that, you know, oh, our hope is in the law. We got to do all these things and God's going to, to bless us in this life. And that's, that's not how God works. Yep. Yeah. And I think, uh, and it also depends on how you, you know, how you define blessing. You know, I think obviously in our, um, in our text in Daniel chapter one, um, you know, God blesses their faithfulness, uh, not only Daniel's, but, um, Hananiah, Azariah, uh, Mishael and Azariah, uh, or Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Um, he, you see him blessing them, honoring their faithfulness, uh, in multiple ways. Um, it, you know, the kind of one of the keys for understanding, um, Daniel uh, 1 are essentially in three separate times it shows God's sovereign hand mm-hmm. uh, behind the scenes you have verse uh, 2 it says and the Lord gave Jehoiakim king of Judah 
um, and then um, and then there were two other times where it's where it has God as the one behind the scenes mm -hmm. um, doing the action. So you know, so the whole idea with in terms of rewarding them or honoring the faithfulness of Daniel and his three companions. So you you do have also um, God giving them the capacity to learn, the capacity to uh, be as skilled and intelligent and wise as they were. Um, God honored them, um, blessed them physically. The whole food thing that we mm -hmm. talked about before, you know, they mm -hmm. did 10 days, a 10 day trial of vegetables and water only. And obviously we have to put ourselves into that context. You know, when there are vegetarians nowadays, it's easier to get your protein intake because right. of the access that you know we have to all different kinds of foods they were limited to only the food that uh, you know from that region so they didn't have you know incredible sources of protein for that you know vegetarian that 10-day vegetarian diet um so the whole thing there that it, well no that was god behind the scenes also mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you right. know making them uh, have that uh, appearance of, of health mm -hmm. and then making them a little fatter um, mm -hmm. you know from vegetables and water only right. as opposed to all the meat that the king was going to offer them and as well as all the wine. Um, so, you know, God blesses them uh, not only intellectually or mentally, but he blesses them uh, physically. Um, and then the whole idea, the whole thing that, that God gave them favor also um, with the palace master, with Ashpenaz. And, you know, so God's blessing them spiritually that way. Um, so these are, so what I would say is, um, so God does um, honor uh, our faithfulness to him um, in the form of blessings, but off, I think we sometimes think one-dimensionally when it comes to what those blessings are going to mm -hmm. be. We tend to think the, tangible. The circumstances may not be to what we right. desire, right. Right. but at the same time underneath, there is God's blessing and right. just to stay faithful, right. and uh, God, God will honor that. Yep. and. Yeah, and it might not it might not be physically in this life. It might not be financially. True. Um, yeah. uh, it may not even be relationally. Mm -hmm. But it, one of the things that you know he will he, he will bless you with in this life. He'll, he'll definitely honor you spiritually. Um, you know, God rewards those who seek Him, um, and I think the best reward, regardless of anything physical, uh, financial, relational. Um, intellectual, socially, I, regardless of all of that, I think the best blessing that God could give us anyway is um, just a deeper communion and mm -hmm. intimacy with himself. Right. Um, so all those other blessings aside, I think that spiritual blessing alone is, is worth it. Right. And our fifth point, um, to be assured that God uses present trials to prepare you for his future purposes. Uh, when I think about future purposes, one of the one of the verses that come to mind for me is Second Timothy two twenty uh, and twenty one. Uh, now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. And what I pull from that verse a lot is, you know, we have all sorts of different eco-economically uh, blessed people in the church. And so, you know, we always have people that, you know, are, are the wood, they're the clay, they're, they're the hard workers that, you know, those vessels 
um, you know, are the physical. And then you have the people that are blessed monetarily who give. And both are equally as important. Right. And one is not more holy than the other. Yeah. Um, both can be just as useful mm -hmm. to God in whatever situation Central. that they're in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, I, and yeah, I mean, ultimately one is, it's an exercise also in the new covenant of our spiritual gifts. You know, right. giving is um, not, a, you know, obviously aside from God loving and cheerful giver and us, um, you know, our, our offerings um, are simply, um, it's just another aspect of faith. Mm -hmm. um, you know, giving to God just a portion of just a portion of what's his, but then also it's it's faith in that, hey, I'm trusting that you're going to provide for me regardless. Um, but that's just as much. But then, you know, you have the spiritual gift of giving oftentimes right. is, you know, goes well above and beyond um, whatever the uh, smaller percentage might be. And, you know, obviously Old Testament principles, 10 percent. Um, but then, and that, but that's just that person's exercising that spiritual gift of giving is just as vital as, um, you know, someone who's exercising their spiritual gift of hospitality, yeah. um, or discernment, uh, or teaching. So, mm -hmm. yeah. hmm. so one of the, the things we talked about that first point was sovereignty, the sovereignty of God. Can you take a little bit of time? Cause that's not a word that we use very often yeah. in our common vernacular. Um, can you talk us through uh, a, a biblical definition of sovereignty? Well, I think the, I mean, I think just the most simple under definition of um, and basic definition of sovereignty is simply, um, you know, there you have the word reign and in, in sovereign. Um, so the fact that that God rules, um, that He reigns, um, that He's in control. So simply understanding saying God is sovereign, if you replace that with control, God is in control. Um, I think that that gets to that whole understanding of what sovereignty is, um, and then expanded upon that. You no, know, God is in control um, of all things. Um, therefore, He guides everything toward His good purposes. Um, so I think that might be a little bit more of a, a thorough definition. But yeah, that's 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 how I that's how I define it, and that's kind of you know the the testimony of Scripture too. Mm. Yeah, that. that... I, I think for a lot of us, the scripture that you used in the sermon was Romans 2, uh, 12, 2, um, to do not be conformed to this world. And I think that's what you, you also mm -hmm. pointed at, um, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Yeah. So, and I referenced that in particular, in, uh, in particular reference um, to um, the, the third point. Um, that's the whole living wisely in the world without be com being uh, conformed to the world. Yeah. Um, you know, not be conformed to the world, but to, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think the one when you think of sovereignty mm -hmm. is uh, Romans eight twenty eight. Okay. Um, and God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Um, you know, oftentimes you'll hear that you hear just the first part of that. Right. God causes all things to work together for good. Um, and ultimately he does, um, for, for his good purposes. Right. Um, but as far as the individual's concerned, it's for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Um, so it's really for the good of his children. Yeah. Um, so, and then, you know, Romans eight goes on 
and talks about, you know, obviously one of the, um, the most important things that he is uh, working out for good is our uh, continuous um, molding into uh, the image of Christ, yeah. um, our sanctification, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I grew up in a very legalistic church, and one of the teachings that came from those, those two scriptures uh, was the idea that there is the perfect and acceptable uh, will of God, and that, like a circle, that somewhere there is a center to that circle, to be in the will of God. And it, it was something that, that my wife and I, we struggled very much as we came out of that because the, the teaching was that um, you can be outside of the will of God, that there's, there's, there's this idea and that, you know, if you're not making the right choices in life, that you're not in the will of God, you're not following his plan for you. And that goes directly against what you just described as sovereign. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's just a, a big stumbling block for a lot of people to understand. You know, you're going through these trials. Uh, you're trying to make the right choices. You're trying to be discerning. Yeah. But even when you feel like you're making the right choices, bad things are happening. And so how, how do we, you know, it, how do we, like, look to a God who allows for these bad things to happen? And I know on the wall there's there's a whole sermon series that we've done on this before. When when bad things happen to good people, right? So so give me what your one question is from all that. Um, <laughs> how do we reconcile bad things happening to us if God is good? Oh, isn't that the age old question, right? <laughs> uh, you know that was Habakkuk struggled with that, didn't he? You know, mm-hmm. How why why God are you allowing this to happen? How God can you look at all the injustices? going on around me um and um i think you know the fact that how do we reconcile bad things happening to us if god is good is um we assume that god can't i think the assumption in that question is god can't use bad things for our good right um and that and we the testimony of scripture we know that's not true um god uses bad things for our good all the time um and usually it has to do not with our happiness because if something makes us um unhappy we think it's bad um especially when we live in a country like america mm-hmm. um if something makes us unhappy it's bad um but god doesn't ass- i don't think the association is um happiness um but holiness yeah and so oftentimes what we may perceive as bad um, or what others may perceive as bad um, is actually good. Um, so, yeah, call, even the, our tendency to call something bad when God's intention is to use it for good. And that's all story of Joseph, right? Right. All right you, you meant this for evil, um, but and God I think, meant And it I think good. it's um, coming to terms with, uh, let's see if I can say this right, uh, not our will be done, but coming into line with mm-hmm. God's will. Yep. Your will be done, and having a like-mindedness of His. Yeah. That kind of changes your whole perspective on situations. Right, and where I mean, yeah, that's that. I mean, that's a good point because that's 
that's our bridge to the gospel right there, Alita. So, you know, Jesus, um, Jesus prayed that, right? Um, you know, not long before, not many hours before he was crucified. Um, and that's, he's, you know, he said, Lord, take this, this cup away from me, but not my will, yours be done. And then the very worst thing that could mm-hmm. possibly happen yeah. in all of human history happened. Um, are good. Yeah. And look at the good that that brought about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, God's will will uh, bring about good. Um, and that's that's the message of the gospel, that God took the very worst thing to happen in human history and uh, turned it into the very best thing for his mm-hmm. creation. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, responding uh, real quick to your question about, um, you know, God's will drawing a big circle and I, and I think that's the problem that people that we do sometimes is draw this big circle and then you know put a little dot mm-hmm. uh, in the middle and say that's that's God's perfect will I have to do that and um, I think right then we're assuming the mind of God yeah um, I think you know you look at there's a handful of scriptures that talk about what God's will is and you know so you, uh, I think it was John MacArthur who wrote a little book um, I think if I remember correctly it was called found God's will. Um, and he basically just exposits the five or so different, um, uh, categories, categorizes the different verses in scripture that talk about what God's will is. And, you know, it's God's will is that you're saved. God's will is that you're sanctified. God's will is that, um, uh, you're spirit led. God's will is that you're, uh, in submission to uh, the authorities, the different passages where it talks about this is God's will. Um, so the whole idea being, um, if you're, if you're, a, if you're living a, a faithful Christian life, and what I mean by faithful Christian life is not doing this, 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 and this right, but allowing Christ to mm-hmm. do it all through you. Um, if you're living in faith, in dependence on um, uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory, um, then you can know whatever's happening is God's will. Yeah, and just find comfort and peace in that. <laughs> yeah, finding peace. That's that's, that's, the, key. that's the key. Yep. <laughs> Right. So before we move on to the next uh, section, did you have any other questions for Pastor Ken? Um, I, I did have one quick question. Um, does the uh, attributes of Daniel adjusting, accommodating, and adapting to his environment, uh, does that fall under the, the fruits of the spirit of like forbearance, of patience, self-control, restraint, and tolerance? And is that something we we should use as an example in our own lives thousands of years later. Yeah, I think that's a, uh, that's a good, um, a parallel there. Um, you know, when you have, um, when you, when you see so clearly in Daniel one, that, uh, God's uh, behind the scenes of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it says, uh, God, God gave in the second verse in, verse 9 it says and then God gave Daniel favor it's very clear that um, that God was the one behind the scenes in Daniel's life orchestrating all of this but also that um, there was clearly a very special relationship between Mm -hmm. Daniel and God and the benefit that we have as new covenant believers is uh, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit Um, and obviously you know uh, scripture so Galatians talks about um, walking by the spirit, living by the spirit, not gratifying the um, desires of the flesh, 
Um, and then what does it look like? How can you know when you're walking by the Spirit? Well, you'll, that'll be evidenced by the fruit of the Spirit. Um, um, you know, love, joy, peace, um, patience. So I think, you know, Daniel definitely, yeah, Daniel definitely shows patience, um, kindness, um, gentleness, uh, faithfulness. Um, he shows self-control um, lots of times, both he shows self-control um, both by not getting angry and attacking mm -hmm. um, the changes that were forced upon, upon him, mm -hmm. uh, but then also self-control knowing when to take a stand right. um, and, and then and how to go about taking that stand. So yeah, there's definitely um, that, that parallel and the fact that we as New Covenant believers have the indwelling mm -hmm. spirit um, that uh, is really the one who wants to uh, operate um, and realize the, his fruit through us. Um, yeah, so, so how much more should mm -hmm. we be displaying um, some of that, that fruit that Daniel showed when mm -hmm. we have the Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good parallel. All right, so now we're coming to the port that I call the Director's Cuts. Um, anything that didn't make it into the sermon, things that you had studied that didn't quite fit or you didn't want to go down that rabbit hole, I was really kind of looking forward to hearing some kind of my cousin Vinny, two youths, kind of uh, talking about Daniel and these youths. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think... I think some of the things I ended up cutting out of the sermon largely were um, probably a lot of uh, probably applicational things. So not necessarily a whole lot of um, things on the uh, observation or interpretation side. Um, but I think one of the things that um, there, there are a few things that I didn't say, but one of the things is the question of, what was it about Daniel and his three friends? Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's there were what estimated ten thousand mm -hmm. um, people in this first deportation in six hundred five BC. So uh, I don't know out of how many of those were you were were these you know the youths that met those qualifications that Nebuchadnezzar laid out. But um, there is still something special about Daniel and um, and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah. And, um, you know, so if, and which kind of the answer to that, um, the best answer that I studied was the whole idea that if, you know, they're, they're teenagers that when this is happening, 16, uh, you know, 15, 16, mm -hmm. that would mean they were born around, uh, 620 BC, um, right around there. So at 620, you know, uh, Judah went, it was, you know, lot, mostly bad kings. Um, but uh, there's uh, eight-year-old uh, Josiah who's made uh, king. And so Daniel um, and his friends would have been born in Josiah's reign. So under King Josiah, um, there was a revival in Judah. Um, you know, they uh, rediscovered um, a copy of the Book of the Law, and then a revival broke out. Um, so Daniel was likely born, um, in a time when most of the leaders around him, um, were, 
um, God-fearing, God-honoring. Um, and then you could also see the way his the parents named Daniel and mm-hmm. the three others, mm-hmm. um, you know, all all testaments mm-hmm. to um, <laughs> the character and the person and character of God. Um, so I think you have a couple of those influences, you know, the, the parental influences, and then um, I guess you, you would call it, you know, the influence of the church. It wasn't a church then, but that would be the equivalent um, to, to kids now is, you know, there was a revival in the church happening. Um, so I think that is more, that's just, uh, I think probably a, a little bit, of, a good reminder for us to, Hey, these, these are the kinds of, this is the kind of atmosphere we want to create for our children. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's in my notes and I, it, I wrote it down after I, I did some further studying is that not to dismiss our youth yeah. and that, you know, the spirit is definitely dwelling in them and it's the next generation. Yeah. And I have three teenagers of my, of my own. And, um, so important to bring them up in an environment of faithfulness, but it's not just parenting of course is important, but it takes a village as well. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. I was just talking to Kyleen and she's, our youth ministry has been such a important part in their upbringing mm-hmm. so yeah it does take a village cry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's okay. but yeah but you're right it takes a village and daniel yeah. and his friends i think they were born right. into a context where that village um was available mm-hmm. all right so next week daniel chapter two daniel chapter two next week uh, any preview you want to plug uh, it's a long chapter, <laughs> so not sure I'm going to actually uh, hit every single verse. Um, yeah, I think what what you start to see in in Daniel two is um, you know you see the way in Daniel one how Daniel uh, starts responding to um, what Daniel's response is to you know some some crisis uh, the whole exile um, how he handles that and then in chapter two. Um, we now see, and, and, you know, kind of chapter one, obviously paints Nebuchadnezzar as this wise, savvy, um, a worldly wise, um, savvy king, um, you know, good military leader and everything. Um, someone that we'd probably look at, uh, as, as, you know, even though he was cruel and vicious, but someone we'd probably look at and be like, oh, he had a lot of good, good traits or good leader, uh, certain aspects of leadership. But then you get to the second chapter and all of a sudden he's in a crisis. So how does he respond to the crisis? And then he makes a crisis for lots of other people. So we get to see uh, the way Daniel and his friends respond uh, to an even uh, an even more serious crisis than they uh, had in the first chapter. So stay tuned. Okay, great. All right. Well, thank you, Alita, for joining us this week. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and always welcome back. Thank you, thank you Pastor Ken, for your time. Thank you. And that'll wrap us for this week. Thank you very much and have a great day. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for being a part of the conversation today. Come back next week as we discuss with Pastor Ken about Daniel chapter 2.